Well, good morning again. Um, I think the last couple of weeks I've been saying a lot of favorites. This is one of my favorite Sundays again. Um, I can have a lot of favorites, right? God has a lot of favorites, me being one of them, you being one of them, so I can have a lot of favorites. Um, but this is one of my favorite times for us to gather together as a church family and have a barbecue and celebrate. And so I'm excited that we get to do it this year. Not, we didn't get to do it last year, and it was such a bum. bummer for me, but I enjoy that we get to implement it again this year. And um, I, if you haven't been a part of it yet, this really is so fun that we get to do some things. We call it a little bit like a Seder. There's some things that we do um, tangibly, like we did communion. There'll be some things that we do together as a family. And so I'm excited about that. It's so fun for, for me to do that. Um, this morning, my message is a little bit different. If you were here last Sunday, um, man, I didn't even think I even opened my notes. I just had stuff in my heart and I just went for it. And I was probably talking a million miles a minute, and um, which is great. Uh, but this Sunday, I feel like my, the, the theme or the flavor might just be a little different. I might have more of a conversation with you guys this morning, and it might not be the same feel. We'll see. I don't know where the Lord leads, but I have tons of notes up here, and we'll see where it goes. Um, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So one of the things I want to kick off with is actually, I often give you guys Sunday school trivia, but this morning, I'm going to give you American history trivia. All right? So... We'll do a little, little voting here. Maybe we'll do it this way to see if you guys, um, you have to vote. Okay, you have to vote. You can't just like not, never raise your hand, right? I've been that in class before where you get options and you just never raise your hand. That way you never feel like you got the wrong answer. Um, you have to try to pick one, which you think is the right answer. But the 4th of July, we all know that's our Independence Day. We know that's the birthday of America, right? We all know that. But what actually happened on the 4th of July, 1776? I'm going to give you some options. Um, we'll start, maybe we'll do four or five of them. Number one, the Revolutionary War started, so remember that's number one. Number two, um, Continental Congress got together and decided to declare independence from Great Britain, number two. Number three, uh, the final draft of the Declaration of Independence was finally decided on. Uh, four, uh, the, the Declaration of Independence was signed by all of Congress. Number five, the Revolutionary War ended. So I gave you five. Four? Five. I'm going to give you. I got confused now. Five. So one being the beginning of the Revolutionary War, five being the end of the Revolutionary War. Then you got three in the middle, right? One being that Congress got together and decided that they want to declare independence. They all agreed. Yeah, let's declare independence from Britain. Second one, the final draft of the Declaration of Independence was finalized. And number four uh, would be it was signed by all of Congress. So here we go. Number one, Revolutionary War. Raise your hand if you think that's why we celebrate 4th of July. Number two, Congress got together and decided to declare independence. All right, it's good. Good, good. I've got some voters. Good. So number three, the final draft was approved of the Declaration of Independence. All right. Number four, all of Congress signed the Declaration of Independence. I think that's getting the most. All right. And number five, the end of the Revolutionary War. Oh, good. So, uh, good. We got some mix in there because I know before I did this, I was doubting too. And so I actually did some history and looked this up. Actually, if you go back, uh, I have some dates here. The Revolutionary War started in April 1970, 1775. You guys all remember that? The shot that was heard around the world in Lexington, the Battle of Lexington, all that stuff. Okay, so 1775, that's before the beginning of our nation. We actually started our Revolutionary War before uh, we declared our independence. And so um, that was... April 75, June of 1776 is when John Adams 
put together uh, what they called it, the Committee of Five to draft the, uh, not the Constitution, not that, that's later, the Declaration of Independence, and they decided that who actually wrote it, who actually was the, the, you guys remember? Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson is the one that actually penned it. Um, and so the five of them got together and they commissioned Thomas Jefferson to actually, why don't you go home and start writing it, use these documents and come together and we'll decide the five. And then on July 2nd, July 2nd, Continental Congress got together and they'd been believing this for a long time. There'd been debates, right, about the loyal, loyalists and separatists, right? And they didn't like the tyranny. They didn't like the taxation or the representation. They didn't like everything that was going on. But there were people that didn't decide, well, we don't want to be our own nation yet. Like, we've, let's try to work this out. And so there'd been debates for a while. The Revolutionary War has been going on for over a year. And now on July 2nd, a year, over a year later, this war has been going on. They finally, on July 2nd, Congress decides, let's declare independence. We've already got this declaration being penned. It's starting to be drafted. Let's, let's just declare it. Let's make a decision right now. And Congress got together. I don't know if it was unanimous, but it was the overwhelming vote, and it passed. Congress decided we are declaring our independence. We're no longer part of Great Britain, right? July 2nd. In fact, on July 2nd, John Adams writes this. The second day of July, 1776, will be the most memorable epoch in the history of America. It ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade, with shows, games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, illuminations from one end of the continent to the other, from this time forward forevermore. So John Adams is saying, July 2nd is the birth of our nation. We declared our independence. But actually, whoever raised their hand on the third one, that July 2nd, it was agreed, and so they'd been spending a month, Thomas Jefferson and the five, and now July 3rd, they are feverishly trying to edit Thomas Jefferson's Declaration of Independence. And it says they made 86 edits to Thomas Jefferson's final draft. Congress said, nah, we want to change that. No, we don't like that. And they actually removed one-fourth of Thomas Jefferson's Declaration of Independence. And so when they finally got to the final draft as Congress, they got to the final draft, that was July 4th. And that was written on the Declaration of Independence was July 4th. Even though they decided to declare it on July 2nd, and John Adams said that's the beginning of our nation, it was actually written July 4th on the final draft. And so from now on, everyone always saw July 4th, and so we always celebrated July 4th. But July 2nd was, and then, to give you more, you guys, most hands went when all of Congress signed it. All of Congress did not sign the Declaration of Independence on July 4th. It was actually on August 2nd that there was 50 signatures on the Declaration of Independence. There was actually only one signature on July 4th. Do you know whose signature was that one signature on July 4th? John Hancock. You guys get it. He was the president of the Continental Congress. So as the president, he was the only one to sign it on July 4th and saying, yes, this is the final draft. Put that in the records. This is what we agree upon. But it wasn't until their next meeting, August 2nd, as they came together with everyone there, that they all signed it. You have that famous picture in our American history, right, of everyone signing the Declaration of It's so interesting. I, why am I sharing all, all this with you? Because I love American history um, and because today is July 4th. And it's a great segue into this morning's message. Um, I, if I had to give a title this morning's message, I would title it, Our Declaration of Independence. So yes, that's a segue into America's Declaration of Independence, but I feel like there's something the Lord wants to share with us 
today, about us individually, of us learning how to declare things. There are things that we have to own and say, this is what I am going to declare. I am declaring this. And I felt like it's so connected to this idea that for a long time, Americans, right? The Revolutionary War for over a year had been going on. Americans were willing to die for their freedom. They believed that we should be independent. But their belief had to have a declaration. The birth of America didn't happen when we began to fight for it, when we believed that we needed freedom. It actually happened when we declared it, when it was formalized and finalized, this is our declaration. That's the beginning of this nation. So there's something important about our declaration. In fact, Scripture says this in Romans, that you have to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. There's something about it that we can have beliefs. I can believe things, but until I confess them, they might not have power. They might not be binding. They might not actually change things. What changed and birthed this nation was a declaration. Yes, there was a war. There were so many other things behind that. I'm not trying to minimize all the things that needed to take place. But the birth of our nation is stamped with the declaration. And it wasn't even the declaration of all of Congress, which I know we can kind of debate on this, but it was one man's signature, John Hancock. One man signed it on July 4th, and it declared the birth of a new thing, of a new world. When I think about this, one man's declaration birthed a new world. I can't help but also think of Genesis chapter 1, that God spoke, and the beginning of time and space was created. The universe, the worlds were created with a spoken and declared word. That God's word, when he declares something, it will happen. Amen. Take it to the bank, it's going to happen. I, I remember reading, I don't remember who it was, um, they talked about the declarations of God. And that because he is the author of time and that, um, oh man, I have tons of scriptures here and I'm not going to try to find it in my notes. Um, but you will, you'll recognize the scripture. It says that he declares the beginning. No, he declares the end from the beginning. That God is able to declare the end from the beginning. In Genesis chapter 1, he was declaring, let there be light. Right? He was declaring all these things and worlds were being formed. But even in that declaring of the beginning, from the beginning he was declaring the end. It says that Jesus was the Lamb of God slain from the foundations of the earth. That when God declares something, it's going to happen no matter what. And so that's why I was getting back to, I read somewhere, that in reference to that scripture, they said, you know what? When God declares something is going to happen in the future, take it to the bank, it's already happened. It's just time has to catch up to his declaration. He declares the end from the beginning, and it's just time and space that has to figure out how to get to where he has decided. He is the all-powerful one. He is omnipotent, right? He's outside of time and space. But just thinking about those things, that God created worlds out of his spoken word. That John Hancock, I'm not going to say that, right? George Washington, president, I'm not trying, but I'm just saying there's a correlation here what God is trying to say to us this morning. That one man's signature, one man's voice, written down word, we are free. It birthed a nation. That your declaration that Jesus is my Lord 
created a new creation. It says that, behold, you are a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. So your declaration to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, you declaring that and confessing with your mouth, you were partnering with God to create a new creation. You. Who you were before Christ is not the same you now. You are altogether different. You are transformed. I love the analogy of, um, right, that word transformed is like a metamorphosis, like a caterpillar, right? A caterpillar transforms to be a butterfly. It is different. It's altogether different. That you and I, there are similarities, right? I, I still have the same skin and same personality bents before Christ and after Christ. But according to Scripture, when I declared my allegiance to Jesus Christ, I became a new creation. There's something about being created in God's image that our words have power. Man, I have tons of scripture in here, tons of them again. Proverbs talks about life and death is in the power of the tongue. That your words speak life and speak death. That what we say actually matters. What we speak over our family, what we speak over our nation, what we speak about ourselves it actually really has power. It isn't just this affirmation of outside of Christianity, right? There's um, right, positive thinking, just saying things that have good meanings. No, there's actually spiritual power in our words. Connect that all around to worship. What we worship and declare has power. What we are saying out of our mouths, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. There's things that when we speak and it's connected to our, our beliefs, our desires, there is power in the word, right? There's power in the word of God, right? His word will, will not return void. It will accomplish what it was designed to set, uh, set forth to do, right? Heaven and earth will pass away, but his words will remain. So there's something about God's word that is so powerful and we're creating his image and he's saying, I've given you power that we can bind things and loose things, right? There's things that are going on in the spiritual realm that actually our words determine and dictate what happens. It's amazing. I don't know that I fully grasp this. I don't know that we fully understand that. Maybe we somewhat understand it, but are we really wielding it? Are we using the authority and power of our words to speak life? And I was thinking just... Um, so just yesterday, day before yesterday, Friday, maybe it's Friday. Um, well, I'll go back even further. Uh, last two weeks ago was my birthday. You know, a couple weeks ago was Father's Day. So I got a lot of encouraging words, a lot of people, Facebook, people you haven't seen or heard from in a long time. It was great. I got tons of encouragement and was, my male ego was stroked and I was feeling good, um, right? All those things are great. But there was something about, I think, I don't know if it was yesterday or Friday, but I got two messages out of the blue, out of these men that I haven't seen in years in my life, not just because of COVID, but I mean, I haven't seen them in a long, long time, heard from them in a long, long time. And out of the blue, they contacted me and said, I just was thinking about you today and I was during my devotional time and just felt like I was supposed to pray for you. So here's an encouraging word. And they just sent me an encouraging word. Oh my goodness, it spoke so much life into me. These men that I haven't seen in years that know, don't even know me super well, but they thought about me and they, actually followed through the prompting of the Holy Spirit just to say something to me. And those words had so much life over them. 
I could, as I was reading them, as I was taking it in, I could feel life being infused inside of me. Why am I saying that? Because I think too often we miss out on opportunities, my hand highly raised, to use the power of our words to speak life, to build up. I'm thinking about scripture. I've I've taught on this before. It says that God's word is a double-edged sword. And in the Greek, it can be translated a two-mouthed sword. That the written word of God, the logos, might be one edge, one sharp side of the word of God. And then the rhema, the spoken word of God, whether it's the Holy Spirit speaking it or whether it be us, his people, speaking it is the double side. Two mouths, meaning the Lord spoke something and now when we speak it, oh, it gets that double edge. And as I was reading some more about the word of God and that double-edged sword, I was thinking again that God's word, I think I shared this a few Sundays ago and it's been in my mind ever since, that God's word it cuts and it heals. It's double-edged. God's word, it convicts me. When God speaks to me, he often convic- convicts me of sin. He corrects me. I was just reading that to my kids. Uh, yeah, that was yesterday, yesterday morning in our family devotions, right? That the Lord disciplines those who he loves. God's word, I hope that it cuts you. I hope that it hurts you. I hope that it reproves you and corrects you and shows you were wrong because if it doesn't, then you might not be under the love of God because he loves, he corrects those whom he loves. So I praise God it's double-edged, that it cuts me, it hurts, it doesn't feel good, but at the same time, it heals, it encourages, it equips, it feeds me, it nourishes me. I need both edges in my life. I was thinking about Jesus, it says that even, so we talked about Genesis, even in Revelation, when John saw Jesus, It says that, man, his face was like the brilliance of the sun, right, shining. And it talks about his mouth. And out of his mouth came a double-edged sword. And if you read Revelation chapter 2, and then again in the last few chapters, in 19, 20, 21, somewhere in there, um, it talks about Jesus coming to judge the earth, right? He's coming with a double-edged sword to destruct things and to construct things. There's something about his word that he destroys things. I, I heard a pastor say this a long time ago. That you better believe anything in your life that is hindering or slowing down or blocking the love of God coming towards you, he's going to come against. He wants to destroy. He wants to destruct. Right? God's word, what he speaks, his love, sometimes it's discipline because he's trying to remove something in your life that doesn't belong. He wants to destroy those things, but he also wants to build you up and to construct something. He builds, right? So I love that about God's word. It's double-edged. This idea of it being too mild. I was reading this scripture. Um, It's this small portion of scripture in the Old Testament that I don't know that I've actually ever really pondered or slowed down to actually think about. It's in, this, it's in the story of the Israelites as they leave Egypt, as they go to the promised land, and it's one of those books of the Bibles that we tend to kind of read through quick or maybe we skip over altogether. Uh, Numbers, right? Exodus has got tons of good stories, and this story isn't recorded in Exodus. It's actually recorded in Numbers. Um, really quick, I, we don't have to, you, don't have to, you can't turn your Bible there. You're free to do that. I don't have scriptures for you this morning, but I just want to read you. It's in Numbers 21, starting in verse 16. It's these two verses. But it talks about the Israelites. They're going from the wilderness. Um, 
They're wandering the wilderness on the way to the promised land. It says this. From there they went to, it says beer, B-E-E-R. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it or not. But from there they went to beer, right? Be'er, which is the well where the Lord said to Moses, gather the people together and I will give them water. Then Israel sang this song, spring up, O well, all of you sing to it. And then it just goes on. So it's this small, small, on their way here, they went to this town, they went to that town, they stayed here, they did this. It's just this small little two-verse passage of what happened on their way going through this beer, right? Going through this land. But in this land, it says they didn't have water. We know the stories where, at least I know the story, Sunday school trivia, right? Where there was no water and God tells Moses, go hit the rock, right? He hits the rock the first time, water comes out. The next time, God says, go speak to the rock. Does Moses speak to the rock? No, No, he hits it, right? Moses, right? Small little mistake, and it cost him going to the promised land, right? Sunday school trivia there. But there's this idea that all throughout the wilderness, there's no water. You're talking about millions of people. That's a, they need a lot of water to sustain them, right? They're wilderness. It's hot, and it's dry, and it's weary. And they're going through, and the Lord tells Moses, all right, take them to this place. Take them to this area. And they get there, and there's a well, and it's dry. There's no water in the well. But God said, I will give you water. So it came out of God's mouth. Go to this place and I will give you water. So they obeyed. They go to this place. They look in the well. No water. To me, they get it right. Israel, we read about them always complaining in the wilderness, right? Always getting it wrong and always wanting to go back to Egypt. But in this small little story, they got it right. It says they looked in the well. There's no water. And so did they complain? No, what did they do? It says, then Israel sang this song, spring up, O well, all of you sing to it. Again, this is just me thinking about this story because it doesn't give details. I think some of the leaders got there first. Oh, crud, there's no water here. God said there's supposed to be water. There's no water. What are we going to tell the people? They're going to complain and want to go back to Egypt. So they... Maybe, it doesn't say who it was, Moses, Aaron, I don't know. Someone came up with an idea. You know what, let's just sing. And they'll think, oh, okay, let's just sing and that God will make water maybe come up out of the well and it'll start to become a river. We don't know, we don't know what to do. But God said there's supposed to be water and there is no water. Before I even go further, I think the Lord is speaking that to some of us. Sometimes God speaks something and we're like, well, God declared it, it has to happen. And he's waiting for our response. Yeah, I said it. Are you going to say it? Where are you at? Going back to last week's message, right? Trust Jesus. So easy to say in VBS and with kids songs. But there's times in our life where it seems like God isn't showing up. God, you said this. You declared it and I don't see it. And they got it right. They saw a dry well, and they needed water. And they said, all right, God said it, so we're going to say it too. Well, it's time to spring up. There's no water in you. We have no idea. Maybe there was never water in this well. Maybe the person who dug it never found water, and they gave up. Maybe this used to have water, and kings and raiders came, and they didn't want the people living there to have water, so they buried it back up. We don't know the history, but Israel shows up. There's no water. They had to declare, God said it, so we're going to say it. Spring up, oh well, it's time to give water. God said it, God said go here, God said there will be water, so there's going to be water. 
We're going to believe it in our hearts and we're going to confess it with our mouths. And I, like I said, it's just me thinking, maybe it was one person. And so that's why they added to that short little song. Spring up, oh well. All of you, sing to it, right? <laughs> Spring up, oh well. All of you, all of you, sing to it, right? Because I might not have enough faith for it. But if we all start singing it, oh, my faith is arising as I hear somebody else sing it. Oh, maybe it really will happen. Oh, the whole church is singing it. Oh, this is going to happen. Oh, the whole nation is singing it. It's a done deal. It's going to happen. I can't help but think that's John Adams. That's these people that were saying, don't you hear the word of the Lord? That he brought us to this nation to be separate, to be different, to get freedom from religion. And there's this tyrant of a king who's doing all these things. We, we just want representation, and they're not representing us. He's, he's actually adding more taxes. He's bringing a military over, and they're, they're actually killing us, and we don't even get to, to take these uh, soldiers to jail. We can't try them here in America. They get to go back to England, and they get to go with Scots free. It's injustice, right? They see all these things. They're like, no, God brought us to land. Remember the pilgrims hundreds of years before? This nation was supposed to send missionaries, and so you hear John Adams and these four, founding forefathers. They began to sing. And it wasn't until they got a whole nation to sing it. I think there's something about us. We read and we listen to too much of the media and the news. And we hear the negative things being spoken over our nation. I'm just saying, no, what would it be like if one church just began to sing? Lord, you said that blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. You said that you're going to heal this land. You said these things. And so we're going to pull down your blessings. We're going to appropriate your declarations, and we're going to make them our declarations over this nation. Even another famous verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. Many of us know that, right? But one translation, I love it, says, For I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord. The Lord thinks these things. He says these things, but he's actually declaring them. What is he declaring? I declare over your own individual life that my desire is not to harm you. He is for you. We just sang that song. He is for you. He is for you. I don't know if you could feel, I could feel it during that song. We need to hear that. We need to remind ourselves he is for us. He's not against us. Yes, he might discipline us. He might correct us, but he's for us. The reason he's correcting us is because he loves us and he wants more of his love to enter into our lives and so he's removing those things that don't belong. Jeremiah 29, 11. Not to harm you, but to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. This is what the Lord is declaring. Jesus, the right hand of the Father, is interceding, Right? He's declaring things in heaven. The Son of God in heaven right now in this moment is declaring things over your life. I've got a plan for your life. I am going to prosper you. I'm going to give you a future that's beyond anything you could imagine. I have so much hope for your future. Jesus has hope for your future. Jesus has hope for your family. Jesus has hope for your marriage. Jesus has hope for your prodigal son. Jesus has hope for the nation of America. Jesus has hope. That is what he's declaring. And anytime we hear a word that isn't speaking a word of hope, 
It's not the word of the Lord. It's not what God's word says. It says he declares hope. He declares future. He declares, I get this, this can get twisted, and I'm not going to go down this whole rabbit hole of prosperity and all those other things. I get it, it can be twisted. But the Lord does, it's scripture. He wants to prosper you. You can manipulate that the enemy tries to pervert that and says, I'm not going down that whole road. But the truth is, the Lord wants to prosper you. He wants you to live fully alive. I think I've said that for the last four weeks in a row. He's come to give you life and that you might have it full, in abundance, overflowing. Thinking about this well, again, I can't help but think of VBS and these kids songs, right? But I, I've sung it, I don't know, I think in the last eight years of being the pastor here, I've sung it off on, often, over and over again. The kids song, right? Spring up, oh well, splish, splash. And give to me that joy abundantly. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Sometimes I'm declaring that because I don't feel like it in the moment. I feel discouraged. And so I start singing a little kid's song that has so much truth. The truth is, I've got a river of life flowing out of me. As Daniel is saying, the, the verse that we kept talking about VBS, the same spirit who rose Jesus from the dead, he lives and dwells in me. And I have to t declare that to myself. I have to declare that to my flesh. I have to declare that to the world around me. I have to declare it to the enemy who's speaking the opposite to me. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. It makes the lame to walk, the blind to see. It opens prison doors, sets the captives free. I'm declaring these things. And I just, I feel like there's, the Lord is trying to say that to some of us this morning. He's been saying this over and over again. What you feel, our emotions, I'm not saying emotions have no validity whatsoever, but emotions and feelings make horrible masters. Do not make your emotions and feeling the master of your life. They're great servants. Emotions are good. God created emotions. It says that God has emotions. He grows angry. It says that God enjoys this. So emotions are good in, its, in, its, in, its, in and of itself. But do not make emotions or feelings or thoughts that are not from the Lord your master. We've got to declare the truth of God's word. Declare something until you feel it. Declare something until it is true. Hmm. Just because that talking about that story, numbers, and now just the river of life, I was thinking about Wednesday night. Um, we were just singing, wait on the Lord, and then Pastor Nick, he just began to say, come alive. And we just kind of, in our own little, come alive, come alive. And I just, that's kind of what it was. Come alive. Well that's dry and barren, come alive. America that's been sleeping, come alive. Right? That's how, I'm getting all my American history mixed up. It's World War II, right, where Winston Churchill said that? Right? They woke up the sleeping giant. Pearl Harbor, when Japan bombed America, Winston Churchill said, oh, it's over with. He declared the end. You just woke up the sleeping giant. America was kind of half in on the war, and now you just bombed them, it's over with. And I feel like that's kind of that same, I got chills just saying that. I feel like it's the same thing. If America would wake up, we are a giant, a spiritual giant. I get it. I know what statistics say. I know what the media says. I know what all the other things, but the reality is, oh, you're kidding me. I'm a patriot. I love, my, I love my nation. 
more good has happened in this world through this nation than any other nation in the history of the mankind. I know Israel, right? I know God blesses. You read throughout the Old Testament. It says that you are blessed to be a blessing. And Israel is a blessing to the world. But I'm telling you, if you look at the blessings of freedom, more nations are experiencing freedom because of Americans dying and giving their lives for other people's freedom. I am so proud to be an American. I know our history has bumps and bruises and we're not perfect. We're going to talk about that during our, our lunchtime. There's things, man, there's ugly stains of American history. There's ugly stains of things that we're doing now, abortion. I get it. There's all these things that are heavy and hard. But today is a day of celebration. It's a day of declaring independence. We are not under the tyranny of what they declared in 1776 of King George. I'm saying, I'm relating that spiritually. We are not under the tyranny of the prince of the power of the air. America is free. And if the church would be the sleeping giant that wakes up, oh, I'm telling you, revival is going to hit not just this nation. Revival will hit the entire world. There will be a billion soul harvest. couple more scriptures because I got tons of them. I'm not going to get to all of them. Hmm. Psalm 2-7. I remember reading this probably a couple years ago, about two years ago, and I underlined it, I think, three times in my Bible. It says this, I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me. I don't have time to fully, I, I can do a whole sermon on that one verse. But David is saying, I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me. I had to memorize that. And I had to say, God, what are you saying to me? What are you saying about my life? What are you saying about my family? What are you saying about the church? What are you saying about America? I have to start with, what are you saying? I need ears to hear what you're saying, God. Because scripture says that you are declaring things, that you speak, that he's never stopped speaking. In Genesis, he spoke, and it's not like he disappeared. He is still speaking today. His word is living. It's active. We are to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So he is saying things today. If I have ears to hear, he's saying things to me. And some of those are decrees. And it's up to me to declare the decree that he has said to me. I bear a responsibility. You and I, we bear responsibility to declare the decree the Lord has said to us. I, I debated. I have, oh man, I don't even count them. Probably over 20 decrees I could read off to you really quick from Scripture. But I feel like before I even do that, maybe that's what the Lord wants to give you an assignment. What is the Lord saying to you? Stop listening to what the world has to say about our nation. Stop listening to the politicians. What does the Lord say to you about our nation? You're stuck with me being your pastor, and you're stuck with me being given that title of a champion of hope. So that's the lens I look through at life. I look through America with a lens of hope. Amen. I, I quoted it. We sang a Ren Collective song, and then I quote it as we closed up worship. We will declare over despair, you are the hope. So when I see things that are ugly, I don't just, I'm not like an ostrich that buries his head and says, ah, no, 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 it doesn't exist. No, I don't deny the reality of difficulty. 
I declare the word of the Lord in the face of it. Yeah, but this is what the Lord says. Media can tell me this. I say, yeah, 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 I hear all that, but this is what the Lord says, and this is what I say. I declare freedom. Ah, As Daniel comes on up to close service, we'll sing a song. I don't know if poor Daniel's got to figure out a song for us. Um, I'll read just a few, just because it's good. I'm not going to read all of them. But here's some things you can declare over yourself. Maybe declaring of the nation seems too big. All right, declare of yourself. And as you declare of yourself, learn to declare over your family or the next kind of circle you have influence on. But the Lord is, I love what Daniel said, you and I, we're called to be ministers. You come to church to be ministered to, I hope, and I hope the Lord ministers to you, but you also come to church to be a minister. I love Ephesians, right? It's up to the leadership of the church to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. It's not up to the pastor to do all the ministry. Thank God. It's up to you, all of us together, to do the work of the ministry. But maybe start with yourself. Declare over yourself. 1 John 3, 3, I am loved. Ephesians 1, 6, I am accepted. Colossians 1, 14, I am forgiven. 1 Corinthians 6, 20, I'm bought with a price. John 1, 12, I'm a child of God. John 15, 14, Jesus is my friend. Romans 8, 17, I'm a joint heir with Christ. 1 Corinthians 6, 17, I'm united and one with God. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, I'm a temple of God. Ah. So as we close the service, what is the Lord saying to you? I feel like today is a celebration. Today is a day to declare good things, full of hope over our nation, over this church, over your family, over your own individual lives. But the Lord wants us to learn, right? I didn't get in all of it. The words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart would be pleasing and acceptable to the Lord. The words of our mouth. Blessing and cursing comes out of our mouth. Shouldn't be. Curses should not be coming out of our mouth. James talks about the power of the tongue, right? There's so much about the words that come out of our mouths. Are we disciplining ourselves to speak the words of truth, the words of life? Are we guarding our hearts? Are we guarding the words that come out of our mouth? So let's just pray before we sing a song. Lord, I thank you for your word this morning, that you are faithful to deliver a double-edged sword, to convict me where I'm wrong, God, that I need to guard my mouth. There's things that I've said that should not have ever come out of my mouth. I thank you that today I stand here forgiven, redeemed. And I stand here again, God, deciding this day to serve you and follow you with the words of my mouth, that I will declare the decree of the words you have spoken to me. I will find in your word things you have declared and I will have them come out of my mouth. I will pray with greater boldness. I'm not going to pray just prayers of asking, which is good. I'm going to learn how to pray prayers of declaration. I'm going to be bold. I'm going to ask for more boldness. Then my prayers become intercessions and my intercessions become declarations. And my declarations have power to change and influence a nation. I feel like I'm just a small peon with millions in this whole nation. But God, 
You have said that all things are possible with you. Your words have power. Our words have power. And we say yes and amen to that. We will declare over despair, you are the hope. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.